Smarties, we teach young learners a couple of really important values. The first is that we don't waste. We talk all about how that can be a hindrance later in life, particularly in math in episode 11, which is a part of our math series. Episode 11 is called Math is a Four-Letter Word, and I'm still very proud of what I consider to be a very clever title. (laughs) (laughs) Today, we're digging into the other important value that we teach young learners, which is to respect books. And we agree, books should be respected. But as you'll hear, this can be a stopgap for older learners who need to learn how to functionally write in books while still maintaining respect for them. That's right, Smarties. The secret to increasing reading comprehension is writing in books. This may seem like an incredibly niche episode, and in a lot of ways it is, but this is something we encounter frequently enough that we felt it deserved its own episode. So Smarties, we love books over here at Learn Smarter Podcast. Today, we're going to check about why it's important to use books effectively while still respecting them, and of course, just a few of our strategies that help support this mission. By the way, Smarties, we're both hiring in both of our practices. My ed therapist, Steph's practice, is in Redondo Beach, California, and my practice is CAP Educational Therapy Group in Beverly Hills, California. I am currently looking for a educational therapist or someone who wants to be an educational therapist, a learning specialist, or a really special teacher who would be available to work Fridays through Sundays. And Steph, what are you looking for? I'm looking for the same thing, looking for somebody on the weekend who's a rock star educator. So if you're interested in learning more about the application process, we're including those links in the show notes as well. And basically, it's both of our websites slash hiring, just depending on where you're geographically (laughs) located. And Steph, you would be willing to share the right person, right? For sure. So if you're interested in working for both of us, we're interested in talking about that as well. Yeah. So... Now back to the episode and let's dig in. You want to learn faster, but sometimes working harder is just not the answer. You have to learn smarter. The Educational Therapy Podcast. Hi, Smarties. Welcome to episode 71 of Learn Smarter, the Educational Therapy Podcast. I'm Stephanie Pitts. And I'm Rachel Cap. And today, Smarties, we're talking about reading comprehension in books. And, you know, I think all kids are taught, you know, don't leave the book open so the spine Mm -hmm. gets ruined. Don't turn the page over and that's how you mark where you are because you can't really ever undo it. But that's not what we're talking about today. We're going a little deeper. We really want to get into this super effective strategy that students are very resistant to because we have taught them how to respect books. But what we find in our practices, we also have to teach learners how to use books. Mm -hmm. So we can do both at the same time. And today we're going to kind of go through why we feel it's so important to write in books and how it can really increase the reading comprehension of the learners that we work with and hopefully the learners and readers in your lives. Mm -hmm. So Steph, what's the first thing you want to share about this? Own your books. Own books if you can. I'm really specifically talking about books that your child or learner has to read in school and really like are getting tested on or textbooks. And you can get used books 
for very reasonable prices. So on Amazon, use bookstores, all of the above. That is the first thing that I would say. I always encourage, especially students with ADHD, to have a second set of textbooks at home. And you can always sell them at the end of the year. Totally. And it is super cheap to buy used books on Amazon. Sometimes they're like pennies. And what you're really paying for is the shipping. Yeah, exactly. There's another website called Thrift Books. Okay. That sells them. And there's also this amazing store in Atlanta, Georgia called Second and Charles that I, every time I go to Atlanta, because I go often, I always stop at that store and get all these amazing books for a dollar, two dollars. It's fantastic. So what do people do if they're not in Atlanta? Use Thrift Books or Amazon. There you go. I think it's a chain, though. I think there are more places that they have it, but we just don't have it in Southern California. Got it. I'm sure there's other bookstores like that, and we just don't know about it. Mm-hmm. But we're efficiency girls, right? Yeah. So we're going to use Amazon <laughs> or Thrift Books. Yeah, totally, totally. And the thing is, is that if you can't own them for whatever reason, you need to use it from the library or whatever's going on, use Post-its with lines. We also went deep into the post-it conversation in episode 12, which is also part of our reading series called My Kid Isn't Reading. And we will link that episode in the show notes if you want to learn a little bit more about how we use post-its in that way. Mm. The second thing we want to make sure that we share is to use pencil. So Steph, why do you think our readers should use pencil when they're writing in their books? So I always encourage with calendaring, if you use a planner or things like that, not doing the digital, right, is to use a pencil. And why? Because a pencil, you can erase. If you underline the wrong thing or write something and it's messy, you can erase it instead of crossing it out in a book. There's not enough space to begin with. So using a pencil is just more conducive to changing what you're saying, making mistakes, And not feeling like you just ruined the whole page because you did the wrong thing with a pen. Using a pencil increases flexibility and options, right? Yeah. I'm all about it. So why do we feel it's so important to write in the book? It is so important. First of all, it increases memory. Mm -hmm. You're not forced as the reader to remember every little thing or every little thought that you have because you're writing it along the way. And it's important to have this information within the story and within the context rather than switching to another source. So rather than having a Google Doc or something that you're annotating in or another piece of paper that you're annotating in, because later on you have to go and match up what you said with what you read. Mm -hmm. And this way just allows you to do everything in one place. And Smarties, I almost feel like the thesis statement (laughs) of Learn Smarter, the educational therapy podcast is do everything in one, right? Mm -hmm. Put everything in one spot so it's super easy and usable and functional. Mm -hmm. I feel like we talk about that a lot, Steph. Yeah. And also it helps with open book tests and finding quotes, right? If you're writing, there's character development or this was a quote that really stood out Or a lot of teachers, you'll have to write an in-class essay and you'll have an open book. Well, if there's nothing in the book, you're going to spend all of your time looking for what you want. So this is one of the things that we want to teach them to be able to have spots and moments. And, you know, I see a lot of kids put a lot of post-its, 
But those even get messy and sometimes there are too many of them or too many color codes, things going on. And it works for some kids, but not all kids. So write in the book. We really want to teach our readers to develop thoughts while they're reading. Mm -hmm. This way, you don't have to go back and try to recreate what you were thinking at the time that you read it. It really does increase efficiency along the way. If you're the type of reader who can stop, reflect, respond. Mm -hmm. Not every learner can do this, and we've talked about that at length in other episodes. That means for those learners, do it at the end of the chapter. Some kids need to do it at the end of every section. Some kids need to do it at the end of every page. It just kind of depends on their retention and their comprehension. And we've talked before about how you can use things like who, what, when, where, and why Mm -hmm. to help increase reading comprehension. But what we're really focusing on in this episode is responses within the book. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. The next thing is be reading with questions to answer in mind. I love – you guys have heard me talk about this before. I love to have kids think like a teacher. What's important? What did you learn in that chapter? What – Would you ask your students about the chapter? Can I share what happened earlier this week, Steph? Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. So I have a student who is going into the fourth grade this year. And the last couple of weeks, we're recording this in August 2019. So the last couple of weeks, we've kind of been doing deeper level reading comprehension exercises and coming up with strategies that work for her. And she was very resistant to doing anything that required more than who, what, where, when, and why. So I gave her a passage of her choosing. She wanted to do something on Egyptian mummies, Hmm. like Egypt and mummies. Interesting. So I found a passage for her and I said, okay, create five or six questions and make a test for me. And she had the most fabulous time. Mm -hmm. She told me it was as much fun as playing a game. Mm -hmm. She was super rigid about (laughs) this is me coming back to bite myself in the butt. Mm -hmm. She was super rigid about how I answered. So one of the strategies (laughs) that we had come up with was to pre-write the answers before going and searching for the answers. So what is a mummy? You go in there and you write, a mummy is. And then you go looking for the answer. And she's like, Rachel, you forgot that strategy. And I'm like, (laughs) you're right. I will go back and I will take care of it. And then she wanted me to retell the story And this has been one that has been really challenging for her. And I highly recommend you do the things that we're telling our learners to do sometimes because I actually didn't realize how much I had to write when she had to retell the story and she would constantly be like, can I just tell you out loud? Mm. Like, No, you have to write it. And then when I had to sit and write it, I was like, oh, this does take a hot second. (laughs) I should give her my laptop so she can write it faster. It helped build empathy for me. But I texted Steph and I was like, she said it was as much fun as playing games. And that's such a Steph strategy. Oh, it's so good. So many kids get so into it, you guys. And they take it seriously in this taking ownership of the material. And when you take ownership of something, you feel pride in it. And that's what we want them to feel. Steph, have you ever had a student when you do this want to sit in your chair? Yes. (laughs) They want to change chairs and they want to sit. We both have nice chairs in our offices for us, but Uh they want to sit in the fancy chair. And we're like, 
okay, uh-huh. you're the teacher in the moment. It really- yeah, it's so funny though, because actually sometimes I sit in a regular chair. I don't actually sit in the fancy chair during sessions. Yeah, the way your office is set up, right. But I have the fancy nice chair at my desk and some of the kids want to go sit at my desk and I'm like, okay, you go make the test over there. I mean, I, I get it. <laughs> So cute. I love that. I love that she loved it. It'll be a good strategy for her going forward. Oh, it's going to be huge for her going forward. And by the way, developing questions about the text that you're reading satisfies what we're talking about when it comes to reading comprehension. If they're able to ask a question about it, they've understood the material and what they've read. Mm -hmm. We've kind of got off on a little tangent, but what we're really talking about is going to segue nicely into the next thing we're going to say, which is be reading with questions in mind. So if you have an older student, chances are they're being asked to read a book that other learners and other students their age have been asked to read before. Mm -hmm. And there are questions online that they can read in advance so that they can be goal-oriented in their reading. Which brings me to my next point. When you have a student that is being asked to read a novel or something specifically for school, Mm -hmm. I truly, truly believe we are doing a disservice to students by telling them that they should enjoy what they're reading Mm -hmm. and that it should be pleasurable. Mm -hmm. Guys, a lot of what we're asking kids to read would not be self-driven or self-selected. Miserable. We would not want to read it. No. It is okay, we believe... To respond in such fashion. So let me talk a little bit about what we're saying here. It is really laborious to read a book someone else told you to read. Period. End of story. When you're being asked to read something for school, it is not about being amazed and surprised and thrilled and enthralled with the narrative. It's about accomplishing a task for school. You're being asked to do this for school. And it's never really about how much you enjoyed or didn't enjoy it, Mm -hmm. which leads back to a strategy that we've talked about in the past. The questions are great. Knowing what's going to happen is also fantastic for readers who struggle with reading comprehension, especially when it's not a self-chosen book. Yeah, I was just going to say, I was thinking about for some kids, it's appropriate to have them watch the movie before they read it. Yep. Not every kid. There's some kids that... That'll be it. <laughs> yeah, that they won't even read it. But for some kids that truly struggle with comprehension, that's a strategy, right? Listening to out loud, that counts as reading, guys. Mm-hmm. You know, I sit there and think about the books that I had to read in high school, and, like, I hated a lot of them. And I would not like to go back and ever reread them. No, it's a little traumatizing when those books enter our offices and we're like, oh... Here we go. And I don't pretend like I liked it when I had to read it. Oh, yeah. No. I'm immediately like, okay, here we go. I will tell you what I did a lot as a student. And I did this a lot in college as well, that you're being asked to read in advance. But I liked hearing what everybody else had to say about it first. And then I would go back and read it. Mm. It would help increase my comprehension to hear what other people had to say about it. For sure. Obviously, you have to be really strategic if that's the route that you take. And I actually don't talk to students about that in my practice, because I want them having some level of familiarity with it. I was really good skim reader prior to class. And then you'd be directed to what was important. You're a good skim reader in general. I am. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. It's a skill. It is a skill. I don't actually know kind of where it came from. 
Okay, so just to clarify, when I'm talking about Rachel's skim reading, a lot of times we've done episodes on this where we're looking for cues and clues and looking in the text for things, and we're teaching how to connect with the content, but it's not skim reading, so to Mm -hmm. speak. Your version is skim reading. Explain. I think I am really good at knowing where something would logically be in the text. Mm -hmm. You have a foundational understanding of the structure. I think that's the perfect way of saying it. So back in the day when I was in college and I was reading research, I would read the problem and then I would just skip down to the solution. And if I needed to understand the procedure, I would be able to easily go back and define it. Now, when you're reading research, it is laid out there for you in that way. Mm-hmm. But skim reading is not linear. Mm-mm. And a lot of the times, especially when we have questions in advance, when you're being asked a definition question, so back to the mummy, what is a mummy? Mm-hmm. There is going to be a sentence that says a mummy is mm-hmm. in the text. So I'm really good at being able to figure out where things would likely be to help increase my speed, mm-hmm. help me avoid reading the whole thing, mm-hmm. and allow me to gather the information and mark the information in the text so that if I need to go back later, I can go back later. Yeah, you guys, I think she just does it at a speed that is a gift Yeah, that most people don't have. Because I could do that too, but it takes me longer than it takes you. That's the beauty of this partnership. I'm able to shortcut that type of stuff for us sometimes. (laughs) For sure. (laughs) I love it. (laughs) Smarties, let us know what you think about this. Are you a good skim reader or is that something you really need to avoid? Or have you taught someone to skim read really well? (laughs) I want to hear that. Hit us up because maybe we'll bring you on the podcast to teach us. If it's out there, I want to learn. So Smarties, that is the big secret. The big secret to increasing reading comprehension is writing in the book. And we're going to give you a little preview of what's coming up on the podcast. In episode 74, we're going to loop back on this topic and talk about some of our favorite ways and some of the strategies that we teach for writing in the book. So be sure to listen for that episode, which will be episode 74. All right, Smarties. So now the secret's out. (laughs) And stay tuned for episode 74. And remember, we are hiring, so check out the links in your show notes. And also check us out on the Facebook group. We look forward to seeing you there, and have a great week. Have a great week, Smarties.